Welcome to Jurassic World. Yes, welcome to Jurassic World Minute with Jurassic World by Minute of Time. you got some mighty big hens there, Hoskins. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And on this episode, we're discussing Minute 77 of Jurassic World. Before we get to that, David, heading over to Jurassic-Pedia.com, we have quite an extensive article here written up by uh, a friend of the show, Tyrannosaur TJ Terry, um, on the Pteranodons in the, uh, in the, in the franchise and um, a big write-up on their discovery and their history. Yes, the... Um this one was an article that originally started out as just kind of a combination article of the Lost World and um, Jurassic Park 3 Pteranodons and then combined with the Geosternbergia uh, article just because at the time the Lost World was written, they believed that Geosternbergia was a subspecies of Pteranodon, and it was somewhat treated through the concept art to be a be a, like a sexual dimorphism thing. Of course, that wasn't followed up upon in Jurassic Park 3, but it was an idea we've always kind of had. And so there's um, and so this article was greatly expanded later later on by our contributor, uh, Troden Formosus, adding in a lot of information and images from Jurassic World, mm. as well as like the range, habitat, stuff like that, that had not been in the article prior. Yeah, we, we may have um, visited this article when we were talking about the Trinodons in Jurassic Park 3, but as you said, it's been updated mm-hmm. with uh, some stuff from uh, Fallen Kingdom as well. And uh, oh yeah, Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. So uh, a lot, a lot here to go through. <laughs> it is, it is a quite an extensive yes. article, um, which is a good read. Doesn't uh, doesn't really explain a lot of what we see from them in these coming minutes and their uh, aggressive suicidal tendencies. I'll say <laughs> um, <laughs> when it comes to uh, flying vehicles, but. Uh, it is, it is an interesting read, nonetheless, um, looking back at Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park and that too, and where, where they've come in and out of the franchise on a whole. Mm-hmm. Anything else on that? Uh, no, I mean, it's a very large article. We could probably talk about it all day. <laughs> so it'd probably, be, it'd probably be better to cut it off sooner than later. Yeah, I, I suppose one thing to bring up here is uh, it is mentioned about the... Uh, sort of how delicate they can be with their wings and membranes and that. Mm-hmm. 
something that sort of is going to come back in uh, in this minute and this or next minute as well. So um, head over to drastic-peer.com for uh, a read through of this extensive article and many more. Um, I think you'd find most of the uh, the specific animal entries would be quite extensive like this. So go over. How about you check out the Tyrannosaur one as well? Because I'm guessing it'd be quite quite long as well. Yeah. Okay. Are you okay? Oh, it's just being dramatic. Dave, ready to get in minute 77. Oh, uh, yeah? Alright, minute 77, Jurassic World opens with Maserani flying the chopper towards the aviary and ends with Jurassic World 1 in distress. As we open minute 77, um, they're all looking out of the helicopter to see the Indominus running through the trees below. And we cut down to ground levels, Indominus roars, uh, and in the background you can see the helicopter sort of turned sideways and about to... Uh, do a strafing run behind her and that's when the gunner opens fire um visually with the minigun but uh going off those sounds we've mentioned before uh an m2 browning 50 caliber uh, machine gun which was mounted to it you can still hear that boom 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 of uh of what the yeah. browning sounds like <laughs> which is a fantastic sound <laughs> but it's not that uh it's just not that raw of a minigun again a lot of uh, movie go- girls probably wouldn't even notice the difference, um, which is yeah. fine. <laughs> but even even seeing the board impacts. <laughs> so interestingly, I mean, it is supposed to be the same kind of gun from the first or from the second Terminator movie. So, I mean, people would notice that difference between that, like you said, the rapid fire and the kind of like that dun 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 mm. dun. Well, even again, <laughs> we could, every time we talk about the minigun, we're going to talk about Predator. Even the uh, the sound effect for the minigun in Predator, I think, was um, edited. It was slowed down just because of how loud and how fast. If it was the real sound that played when Bill Duke was firing that thing in the jungle, you'd know that he'd be out of rounds in seconds <laughs> instead of mowing down a jungle for five or six minutes. Um, just because just because <laughs> of the sound these things make. And again, head over to YouTube. There's plenty of videos of people firing these things. And check out them then too as well. Any any of your war, uh, war movies, the newest Rambo movies, is always firing a fifty, um, uh, yeah, vehicle mounted fifty cal Browning. So as the helicopter strafes the Indominus, uh, the ground around it explodes with weapons fire. Um, it's not clear how many rounds actually hit the animal. Um, again, on a big screen and Blu-ray or Ultra, oh, it's not Ultra, is it? Four uh, K. Um, you might actually see some uh, rounds impacting its legs because it does sort of stumble as it lulls its head and rams through the wall of the aviary. So obviously something was hitting it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, its skin is tough and thick, but it's not bulletproof. So, I mean, it's designed for open warfare, but even skin has its limits. Yeah. To be fair, if they wanted a uh, armored dinosaur, they really should have just gone with the Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> Well, it's funny, we get the uh, the Stegoceratops later. Um, maybe the, the Ankylosaur's body with Trenosaur legs. <laughs> or some theropod legs, just so you got that armoured plating on the back and still being able to move fast. But It sort of brings up the question, too, about how many times these guys practice with the minigun, if there's any range, range shoots or anything. Yes, the, the way the minigun is set up, it's not designed to be accurate, um, with all the rounds, you sort of just point and shoot with those traces. But um, 
he's sort of hitting hitting all over the all over the place here. I'm surprised he doesn't uh, impact the glass as well while he's trying to shoot the animal. But um, but yeah, once again, just showing how tough Nindomus is. She lowers that head and rams straight through the aviary wall seemingly pretty easily. Yeah, really. And we saw her like trash the uh, the. It was the gyrosphere with some difficulty, so it's likely that whatever the kind of glass or plexiglass or whatever the um, aviary is made from is seems to be a lot, or I mean, yeah, a lot less structurally strong than the gyrospheres were. Mm. Well, just for weight alone, like this glass, it has to be a lot thinner. Mm-hmm. Keeping in mind what you're trying to keep in as well, the Tranodons and the Dimorphodons aren't uh, aren't real heavy hitters. Where you got the gyrospheres out in the valley with your ankylosaurs, your stegosaurs, your um, your larger sauropods as well, and the trikes. You sort of you want a little bit more protection out there with those big herbivores. Where here, yeah, um, you're not really expecting anything from outside trying to crash its way in. Also, we're here too now. We're on ground level at the base of the aviary. There's no sign of those big those big pillars or whatever the exterior shot we seen earlier had all that sort of stuff sort of gone so I don't know <laughs> don't know what's going on there just to gain the difference between the CG and um, what they put in the location but uh, that's when we cut to the control room and on that map we can see the red circle appear and the aviary icon lights up I'm guessing the uh, there's a red triangle um, here as well I'm guessing that's where the old park location was or where uh, where mm-hmm. Claire called in the sighting, the last sighting of it. Mm-hmm. And we've got a camera feed here as well um, from the aviary. And we can see the Indominus inside the uh, the birdcage. And it's sort of, we get a couple of them here, this weird zoom that uh, happens like it's being, the camera's being handheld and not actually a fixed security camera because it sort of does that zoom in, then just comes out a bit. We know next minute when the helicopter, just before it crashes into Avery, from Owen and Claire's perspective, we get a bit of a zoom in and zoom out as well. I, I don't know if it's just Colin's filming style. I'd have to keep an eye on and see if we get any more of them in the film, but it's it stood out <laughs> stood out a little bit here. Uh, this supposed to be an in, inside security camera. Yes, uh, Larry's probably able to control it, but yeah, it just does that weird zoom. <laughs> next to him, though, Vivian's hyperventilating. <laughs> uh, Larry's just saying no over and over again. That's when Hoskins leaned in to see the image and says, "Looks like the fox just got into the hen house." <laughs> Which uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty <laughs> big fox. <laughs> it's kind of true at the same time because the Tyrannodons, I assume they kind of act this way just because they're extremely territorial, as we've seen with the uh, Jurassic World one or the Jurassic Park three ones. And so I'm going to assume that they will actively attack anything that they see, kind of like... I mean, there's birds like that that will just... They look at... Geese are like that. Geese are incredibly territorial, and they will attack you as soon as look mm. at you. Yeah. I mean, people think, oh, yeah, birds, oh, yeah, they're <laughs> so scary. But, I mean, there's... They may be small, but they can get pissed off. Mm. <laughs> and you do not want to be on the receiving end of that woman. No. No, not at all. And it is sort of a weird... With how... Uh, or where we are at with the Tranodons now. We know from the um, the original novel that, again, extremely territorial. They tried to build a lodge and couldn't. 
because they were attacking the workers. Um, I'm guessing Jurassic Park 3, just because they had the, the covered walkways um, before the evacuation, or the animals weren't big enough to be any sort of a threat. But then, uh, during the, of course, during the... Uh, the, the uh, time in the film they're definitely they're definitely a threat and maybe bigger than they need to be there to be able to pick people up the aviary has seemingly been going for a long time we know it's there's visitors we see the monorail going to it earlier there's supposedly visitors Mm -hmm. there so unfortunately we don't see a lot of it we don't get to see the behavior of the uh the animals inside before now whether they're territorial the inside looks pretty pretty Mm -hmm. um landscapes not pick clean like uh, Jurassic Park 3 either. I assume that they probably keep them well fed enough to where they're not destructive of their habitat, you know? Whereas with the Jurassic Park 3 ones, they were in that base, they were basically in that uh, locked in that thing for the last eight years and were in constant competition with one another. <coughs> you know? I'm sure they probably resorted to cannibalism more than a few times. Well, we actually in the novel it's described that they're eating a they've got a skeleton of a tuna that they're eating, so they're obviously being fed fish and whatever else. But yeah, and as you're saying, being territorial, maybe maybe the uh, something big like the Indominus coming in is enough just to send them into a frenzy and they'll they attack anything that anything they see or or that moves. Um, yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to more of that in a minute. Um, Hoskins puts his hand on Larry's shoulder and Larry just sits, <laughs> sits there looking, looking at him as Hoskins is smiling. Uh, inside the aviary is a new world <laughs> of flying animals for the Indominus. Uh, she roars at a pack of pteranodons on a rock ledge and they take flight. And then she turns to a flock of dimorphodons and roaring again and they take flight also. Is she so intelligent here? She's trying to get these animals airborne to get rid of the helicopter threat. Because going into the aviary was okay. That seems to be some place to hide or get away from the attacking helicopter. Is this now? I need something that flies to go up and take it out. I think it's a mixture of taking shelter and taking opportunity. Where she needs something that will both get away, get that she can use as a shield and as a sword. And the pteranodons make kind of a perfect version of that because they obviously don't want to kill their the rest of their park uh, stock. They just want this one Indominus dead. Mm. And so they're less likely to fire the gun if the Pteranodons are in the way. And also, it gets them stopped firing because they are now uh, distracted by the Pteranodons. Mm. Oh, I mentioned it because it's, it's mentioned in the novel that... Um... She roars at the animals and they don't really do anything. And then when uh, the Indominus sees the helicopter mm-hmm. flying overhead, she tries even harder to get them to get airborne. It, it sort of takes me to future minutes too, where, Bar- where we see her communicating with the raptors. Yes, she's part raptor, but it's almost like she's telling the, the animals here, get up there and get that get that bird out of the sky. We, it's a pain. My it's fought in my side. Especially with what happens, she snaps at one of the pteranodons that flies towards a hole that she made in the in the wall, and suddenly we got more animals on the loose, and they fly directly to the helicopter. They don't go anywhere else. They they fly directly for that uh, that flying machine. Um, the gunny yells pull up, but it's too late. One of the animals flies into the side of the helicopter, 
causing it to tip to one side and the gunner falls out over the minigun and dangles for a second before another animal flies in mm-hmm. um, flies in past and takes the gunner with him, which if they're getting thrown tuna or sides of beef or whatever, whatever, however they're fed in the aviary, to have this hunting instinct to immediately be able to take flight uh, outside the dome and attack this helicopter seems a bit strange. The... I think, again, this is going back to the territoriality thing. This scene is a homage to the original uh, ending of The Lost World, where the Pteranodons, after they, after the, every, the survivors escaped to the helicopter, the Pteranodons attack the helicopters as they're leaving Isla Sorna. And we almost get, like, shot, like, shot for shot from the storyboards, mm. of one of them being when the Pteranodon pierces... <laughs> one of the ACU guys with its beak from the front windshield of the helicopter. We'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, I, the Pteranodon attacking the open side of the helicopter was actually one of the first screen caps that had actually leaked from this movie. Mm. Like, like before we ever even got a trailer. Yeah, yeah and... <clears throat> There is concept art up of that Trenestone attack and the Lost World we talked about in Lost World Minute and um, posted it up there. We can post it up again, some of the, the concept art and that for that attack. I think not not so much, or not just the territorial stuff. I'm pretty sure someone st- stood on their eggs and broke eggs or something as well um, or fell through the, re- the roof into the nest. I think it was either Kelly or Sarah fell through the roof of the uh, building that the helicopter had landed on mm. and fell into the nest and accidentally broke one of the eggs. Yeah, so it's once again the animals see it and it's like you <laughs> and goes after them as well, <laughs> not just for the territorial stuff, but hey, you just broke my eggs. I'm <laughs> a death wish, but um, I do I do love the shot where we look above and just see that, that poor gunner get flung over the minigun and he's <laughs> dangling there by one arm briefly as before... Uh, the other Pteranodon comes in and just he's gone, just like that, getting getting carried away to his uh, to his end. And it's sort of weird that they um, the first one sort of flew into the tail and struck the helicopter because Maserani struggles with the controls as the uh, helicopter's assaulted from all sides, and that's when another one flies directly in the front of the chopper, um, putting its beak through Maserani's window, but going across and just poking the co-pilot in the chest and pulling its head out and seemingly flying away. It's, it's just, it's weird to be able to be, like land on the front of the helicopter or impact the front of the helicopter as hard as it does. Uh, its whole head or beak coming through the glass and just piercing this poor co-pilot through the chest and then just flying off again. <laughs> There's no no concussion, nothing. Which again, like a lot of the, a lot of the animals are hitting, mm-hmm. none of them are impacting the rotor blades or the, even though the rear, uh, the rear rotors are um, enclosed, but none of them are hitting the rotor blades or anything. They just seem to be banging at the side of the helicopter and then flying off and letting someone else come in again and hit, impact it again. You could almost say if you if the um, Lost World deleted scene storyboards didn't exist, you could almost consider it like a homage to Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, where the birds were particularly like the seagulls were would do similar things. They basically dive bomb the windows and they, I mean, they wouldn't get hurt. They would just kind of get like a little dazed and then, and like fly off a couple seconds later. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Well, tangent time. Um, 
the other night the uh, the core that classic sci-fi movie from 2003 I think it was was on TV and it was just about that time where the pigeons go crazy and I said to me me son and daughter watch this window in a second you're gonna see a fish fly at the, <laughs> fly at the window <laughs> and um, they spotted it they spotted it amongst all the pigeons flying into the glass windows and that as well but yeah I know from the concept art from the lost world when it was supposed to happen I think the Tyranodons they were hanging off the skids and just the extra weight on the helicopter or them um, attaching themselves to the helicopter would have been enough to sort of throw things out of balance, um, especially with the way Masrani's attempting to pilot it um, with his experience in that. So I would have preferred something like that than just these delicate uh, flying animals just crashing into <laughs> into a metal helicopter um, with the rotors and that. But uh, Masrani takes off his glasses uh Time to get serious, uh, trying to regain control of the helicopter. And outside, you can just <laughs> hear the animals, um, well, you can start to see them hanging on the sides here and crashing into it. And that's when uh, another one crashes into the tail, sending the chopper into a spin. And as the minute ends, um, Masrani's fighting those controls as the helicopter starts to, starts to lose altitude. So it's not good. We're, um, we're a minute away from losing Simon Masrani, losing Jurassic 1, and... Um, Unleashing the rest of the Tyranodons and Dimorphodons onto Isla Nublar. Mm -hmm. uh, when the helicopter pilot, uh, or when the helicopter spots the Indominus, uh, it's at the base of a, uh, the aviary, uh, near where the met the mountain it was built into. So that's where we get that um, coming from. Um, the Indominus was there staring at the glass. So they um, they come across the Indominus that was already at the aviary, looking through the glass at the Tyranodons and that inside. It was looking through the milky glass at a Trinidon and three Dimorphodons, pecking at a skeleton of tuna. And um, she heard the helicopter, then turned her head to look at um, to look at it, and then camouflages against the jungle floor. So we get a return of that camouflage ability here, where she tries to camouflage from the helicopter. That would have been cool to see. I think, like, maybe not at this moment, but. Possibly when we first see the helicopter come up, come and see the Indominus, like and they see twelve o'clock over by the birdcage, but we all we get to see is like the trees, and then suddenly it appears. You know, well, like obviously, obviously the guy with the can with the um, goggles has better vision than we do, or something like that. You know. Hmm. Well, the perfect time for that with what we get in the film would have been when she's in the, the lobby of the visitor centre looks up at the helicopter and then camouflages and we could sort of just see her outline turn around and walk out of the building mm -hmm. um, yeah. but again at that time too she's not um, she'd probably be more inquisitive as to what the helicopter is and not uh, not running from it and the, I assume the camouflage ability takes a concentrative effort to do so mm. that's probably why we don't see it all the time you know, she has to be actually be uh, concentrating to do it. Yeah, yep. And she must um, obviously she she knows what the sound of the helicopter is because it would have she would have heard it when it come in to land at the pen earlier as well. Mhm. Mm Whether she's remembering back to that point where she knows it means food, <laughs> tasty human snacks. But the uh, the gunner had been warned about the Indominus's ability to camouflage. So he uh, removed the thermal scope on his gun and opened fire. A trunk of a tree near Indominus uh, splinters from uh, the gunfire. She roars at the chopper. Then she turns towards the base of the aviary uh, to avoid the gunfire. 
to shelter herself. Uh, she ripped through the glass and metal and crashed uh, through the dome. In the aviary, an Indominus roared at the four pteranodons on the ground. They hopped backwards, spreading their wings aggressively. The Indominus sniffed and backed off, uh, uninterested, but then she looked up and seen the helicopter shadow above the frosted glass. The Indominus turned back towards the pteranodons and roared again, herding them out of the hole in the broken dome. Uh, they stumbled back through the opening and took flight. So yeah, they, they didn't take off the first time she roared at them in the novel, but that's when they uh, they take off and go after the helicopter. And it uh, it happens pretty much the same as the movie in the, uh, in the novel for what we get with the downing of Jurassic World 1. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, Dave, that's been 77. Anything else to add before we get over for the day? Uh, no, I think we're good. All right, lovely. 